Ladies and gentlemen, thou shalt not see this movie. I'm Kent Garrison. I'm Brian Gill. And I'm Richard Barton. And this is Mad uh, About Movies. Da, 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 da. You sound insane. Do you realize that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Mad About Movies is your go-to movie podcast for all things covering that world of cinema. We discuss movie news, movie rumors, those ever-important movie rumblings, and fear not, spoiler phobes. We will give you ample warning before we head into that dreaded spoiler territory. This week's chosen movie of the week, Brian, is... This week we're going to be talking about Ridley Scott's Exodus, Gods and Kings. You know something's wrong? You've always felt it. Your parents never told you the truth. What truth? The year of your birth, there was a prophecy that our leader would be born to liberate us. That leader is you, Moses. I could have sworn that was a young adult book series uh, yeah. when I was growing up. Not, but apparently not a not. great title. Not, not a great, great title, guys. <laughs> this one's going to be fun to talk about. I mean, we love, we love the biblical epic. Um, it's been a topic on the show in the movie news portion of the show, as well as our movie of the week this year already in, in Noah. And uh, we know we have a lot of these types of movies coming out in the next couple years. So uh, here's another one, Ridley Scott's Exodus. And uh, Ridley Scott's a filmmaker that we have also uh, had many a discussions on on the podcast uh, in days past. So it'll be good to talk all things Ridley Scott as well. And uh, I just want to start off this episode uh, preemptively by saying, hello, fellas. Good to have you all back uh, in one place once again. Yeah, good to be back. This it's been a while. We were talking off air. I think it's been like a month since we've all uh, yep. been able to be together to talk. So it's good. Court, it's court good to order. be with you, gentlemen. Yes. Yeah. Brian Gill, you were not on our Nightcrawler episode last week. I wasn't. You did see Nightcrawler, if I'm not mistaken. I, I was planning to be on the pod. It wasn't like the one before where I just straight up had to skip. But uh, yeah, my kid got sick and I just couldn't couldn't make it happen. So. I, I did see Nightcrawler. I have not listened to the podcast, however, so I don't know how you guys felt about okay, it. Okay, well, fresh thoughts then, uh, non-disturbed by our sure. uh, opinion. So what? What? just give us a little mini-review since you weren't on that episode. What were your mini-thoughts, non-spoiler uh, thoughts, yeah. of course, of Nightcrawler? I thought, I thought Jake Gyllenhaal was great, and I don't like Jake Gyllenhaal, so it's hard to compliment him. Um <laughs> Exactly that's, my sentence. I think that's exactly what I said. That's, that's like yeah. two movies in a row of his. We did Prisoners last year, and and I think we all were were complimentary of of how good he is, but that none of us none of us would ever want to uh, spend an afternoon with him. He just seems thoroughly unbearable as a as a human. Maybe the whole Gyllenhaal family probably is not the most enjoyable people. Anyway, but he's he's so good in that movie. I think. He probably gets an Oscar nomination, and I, I don't think I could argue against that. The movie Nightcrawler, it looked great just from a, an aesthetic yeah, point we, of view. Look, we talked looked about awesome. it having kind of a Michael Mann feel to it. Yes, yes. That's, that was gonna, I'm glad you guys made that point. That was going to be my big, my big point because it, it, really, it really looked like a Michael Mann movie. I don't know that it necessarily felt like a Michael Mann movie, no. but it definitely had the, the feel. So the performance is great. Looked awesome. The story as a whole, I think, uh, for me was was kind of stuck between trying to to have a point and maybe taking itself a little too seriously and being a little too on the nose for me. Uh, so I didn't think 
maybe that the 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 movie as a whole measured up to the the parts that are really good. So it was, you know, I think it would probably be like a B B plus for me, uh, with some elements that were that were definitely in the A A plus territory. Good good, good thoughts. I think I give it an A minus. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was really totally into a lot of the mystery uh, behind John Hall and his character. I I was just super interested in that world of how the news gets its news, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So that really interested yeah. me as well about the plot. It was a uh, it was just a pleasant surprise in my opinion. Yeah, I wasn't looking forward to seeing it at all. Yeah, I it liked just, it a lot. Just has something I don't know. It just didn't appeal to me. But part of that again is probably Jillian Hall, who just doesn't doesn't appeal to me as a human being or an actor. So uh, you know, what are you going to do? Well, so, Brian, yeah. you weren't on that episode uh, last week, so I guess you didn't hear Richard and I's conversation about this Sony hack. No, I did um, not. So I guess we should start this episode off uh, with a little bit of movie news, rumors, and rumblings. Movie news. Yes! Rumors and rumblings. That's awesome! Let the filibustering begin! We talked a little bit last week, mainly, Brian, just just about the fact that the hack happened. I guess for those of you who didn't listen to last week's episode or aren't um, aware of this uh, movie news, I, the official story, or I, I can't even tell if this is a rumor or an official story, uh, because they don't know who did it or who's responsible, but hackers, I'll say, have hacked into Sony Pictures databases, emails, hard drives, I'm sure, personal computers, etc., and uh, revealed information about upcoming projects, potential projects, projects that never came out, uh, personal feelings between executives and actors, and actors and actors, they're leaking movies themselves, uh, threatening terrorist attacks on citizens and cities alike uh if this movie the interview uh starring seth rogan and james franco of all people uh gets released so surprised that this is such a has become such a big deal uh but when you look at the severity of the situation you don't you don't really know what to think so i think safety yeah. is the best precaution in in all measures so i got we can talk about the hack uh in general and just some stuff that has come out about it but once again, by us, the media and the uh, the media that has reported the news basically falls into following the terrorist demands. I guess reporting the news would be following into their demands as well, reporting that they've even done this. So um, the official statement by Sony, uh, I'll give a little bit later, but um, let's just say the interview is not happening. Guys, what have you thought about this news? We followed this story for the past few weeks here on the show. Uh, Brian, what, what have you heard about it and – as a movie guru expert uh, that you are, uh, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, this is a really complicated deal for me because I, uh, I kind of take I don't know. Did you guys read Aaron Sorkin's letter, the op-ed that he wrote for? Um, now I'm forgetting yes. what who he New wrote York it for, Times. but yes, New York Times. I kind of take Sorkin's side of it, and and I, I get that. I don't know. I just coming off the heels of like the Nightcrawler conversation, and all that. I don't love that this is news. The hack is news. I don't love that like Paul Reiser's email to a Sony executive trying to get mad about you on DVD <laughs> is is yeah, news exactly. both from and for from two sides for for one that's not news <laughs> it, the idiocracy of we have web pages now dedicated to part of a part of an email that Paul Reiser sent to an, an, an NBC executive and that's that qualifies as news but on the other side of it very much what Mr. Sorkin was saying and and Aaron Sorkin is a guy who will run his mouth, and I don't know that I agree with 
half of the opinions that he expresses uh, out loud and in a public forum. But but in this case for me, uh, it, it does bother me a little bit that this is a pretty serious attack and it's yeah. obviously it's turned – quite violent but even before before it had at least as far as from a threat standpoint but even before it had like this is a really serious deal and it really felt to me like 90 percent of the reporting on it was just uh you know gossipy back page of the new york post sort of reporting it's nobody it didn't seem like too many people in the media at least were were super concerned with the the uh the impact that something like this could have and and w- the the message that it sends uh as far as future releases and the security of not just our studio system but you know bigger things much more important things than the movie industry i don't feel like the media was super concerned about that so much as they were let's make some really gossipy clickbaity sorts of news out of stuff that doesn't I don't know. I don't want to say that's none of our business, but it's kind of none of our business. I don't really care if one executive at Sony doesn't like an, an, an actor or doesn't want them in their movies or doesn't want to deal with them. Like, I don't really feel like that's part of our, I don't know. I probably come off a little uh, conservative on that front, but this is, this is a lot of this stuff is just private correspondence that I feel like the media has kind of just bought into what the, you know, whatever this group may turn out to be, whether they're technically, whether they consider themselves terrorists or just hackers or whatever, I don't really know. I don't really care. Um, but I think the media definitely took their bait and ran with it and maybe without any thought to, is this something that is, should be publishable? If that makes sense. Right. To you guys. Richard. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, w- I went over some things last week. Uh, I try to stay away from it because I, I don't like getting into people's private um, I, I pride myself on be, not being too nosy, but uh, there's definitely been some some interesting things this the last few weeks that have come out. Some more amusing than others. It, it is odd because it does really seem like the the hackers have won uh, with with Sony giving in. So you kind of admit admit defeat there. But you know, it's not a country; it's a it's a private entity. So they're allowed to kind of ra- wave the white white flag, I guess. But uh, feels like a new story that's pretty small and trivial, but means a lot about kind of that it's kind of the first major cyber ter- terrorism story uh mm-hmm. in you know that affected a group this big so and probably the first of many i, I don't want to be too cynical but that that part's kind of interesting this comes on the heels of several major u.s movie chains refusing to screen the interview in their theaters and here's an official statement from sony pictures In light of the decision by the majority of the exhibitors not to show the film, the interview, we have decided not to move forward with the planned December 25th theatrical release. We respect and understand our partner's decision and, of course, completely share their paramount interest in the safety of employees and theatergoers. Sony Pictures has been the victim of an unprecedented criminal assault against our employees, our customers, and our businesses. Those who attacked us stole our intellectual property, private emails, and sensitive and proprietary material, and sought to destroy our spirit and morale, all apparently to thwart the release of a movie they didn't like. We are deeply saddened at this brazen effort to suppress the distribution of a movie, and in the process do damage to our company, our employees, and the American public. We stand by our filmmakers and their right to free expression and are extremely disappointed by this outcome. So what are your thoughts, guys? Brian, I guess, uh, any thoughts of their official statement? 
Yeah, you know, I saw a lot of outrage on Twitter about uh, Sony backing down and giving in to terrorist demands and all that sort of stuff, which I get. But uh, the other side of that is, like, I don't know what they're supposed to do at this point because once once AMC and Cinemark and Regal have pulled out, like, there's not a whole lot of chains left that are going to be able to carry this movie. And I would imagine that the liability of those theaters and Sony by proxy of – I don't think the threats were were ever going to come through as far as you know committing actual terrorist attacks on theaters showing the interview. But let's say in an awful worst case scenario that actually does happen, like I don't know how Sony can put themselves on the line like that. So I, I don't really necessarily. I would in, in a perfect world, I would love for them to just stand up to whatever crazy hack attack this is and and just say screw you guys we're doing it anyway we're not going to cow down to to you guys but i don't know how they could do that in a lot of ways i can't really blame them for uh for for going away the smart thing to do and i've seen a lot of this on twitter as well and and we talked about it off air it would be to release it on demand or netflix or something like that and i think that's there's a way that you could they could take in take back some of the money that they spent on this and uh get the movie out there i would imagine that more people want to see it now than they did a week or two ago because i certainly didn't care at all and i don't know that i care now but there's a certain amount of is this real? Is there some, there's a certain amount of curiosity, I guess, at this point uh, that maybe there wasn't a couple of weeks ago. So uh, I think that would be the best case scenario for them. But, uh, you know, I can't really blame them for not showing the movie. Guys, what we haven't done in a long time, and I know the fans have emailed, they've demanded, <laughs> I think it's time to talk American Treasures. <laughs> We have a little Hall of Fame on the show. Uh, we call it the American Treasure Hall of Fame. It exists on our website, madaboutmoviespodcast.com, and it's full of uh, celebrities that we have inducted into this uh, esteemed hall. But uh, these people are what uh, define, are what we define as uh, great about the American uh, cinematic landscape. We hope and pray that they have a sense of humor about themselves. That's the main requirement, but we also require that they have been in the business for at least 25 years or if they are 50 years old. So the rules are we each bring one nominee to the table and uh, we each vote and the majority wins. And it's pretty much as simple as that. Yep. They must be American citizens or we can induct. uh, We have a few members of the national or excuse me, the uh, North American treasure hall of fame. So uh, we can do that as well. Yes. They must be, uh, must be American. And we have two wings, actors and public figures. So without further ado, Brian Gill, who would you like to bring to the table this week for American Treasures? I'm going to bring a gentleman who would be our youngest member, I believe. Oh. Uh, Would be the youngest member of the American Treasures Hall of Fame, but he has been in the public eye for for well over 25 years at this point, so I think he's he's eligible. He is one of my favorite comedic actors, even though he is often in a movie that's not that great. So his – his, his his career path, his resume, if you will, is a little hit or miss, which is something that we, we do take into account. Mm-hmm. But I think his highs uh, outweigh his lows. So I, I I think he speaks for himself. But if I if I need to make a case, I, I will. So I'll just bring him up. I'm going to nominate American treasure Jason Bateman. 
Ooh. That is a youngin. He is. 45 years old, but he started on uh, Hogan Family in the uh, the early 80s. So he's he's got there the mid-80s anyway. But he's, So he's got the uh, 25 years down. Silver Spoons as well. Little House on the Prairie. Right. He, he got yeah. the, TV, the TV vote going. Don't forget Teen Wolf. Yes, um, Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf 2. Right. Teen Wolf 2. The only Teen yeah. Wolf. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, what? give your thoughts first. I'm still kind of brewing mine. Yeah, we love Arrested Development on the show. Uh, we love. Uh, I think we're big fans of Bateman on here. You're right; his his resume is a little hit or miss, uh, but there's some pretty strong hits on there. Yeah, this is one I haven't thought of because I think of him, even though he's been around for 275 years. <laughs> yeah. um, I think of him as young still. So this is this is coming out of nowhere. So I have to ponder it. Kent, what do you think? Brian, if you will, state your sure. case for sense of humor about oneself. He's always a great guest on Conan or uh, I haven't seen him on Jimmy recently, but anytime he shows up on the late night show, he's always very funny. He's always got a bit going, which I think is a great indicator of a, of a sense of humor about himself. Uh, a couple of months ago, he was on Conan and talked about uh, looking for an apartment with Will Arnett because of their, uh, their closeted relationship. He just he's a he's a guy who grew up in the industry and one of the I think there's one of the sayings about actors is that uh, the ones who grew up in the industry who were kids in L.A. are usually the ones who are most grounded and have the most like ability to handle life. I think that's part of having a sense of humor about themselves. Unless they're Leif Garrett. Unless they're Leif Garrett. <laughs> setting a record, keeping it going. Um, so I think, I think he's got that going month. for him. Yeah. Um, from a, from a credential standpoint, Richard mentioned Arrested Development, which I hold up as the, the greatest sitcom of all time. He's also got, he does really good serious stuff. Juno, he's great in Juno, and I know that's a movie that we tend to dismiss at this point because it got so hyped uh, early in its run, and now maybe people have kind of forgotten about it. I do too, and he's great on that. In that, he's really good in a movie called The Kingdom uh, that is very serious. Really good in that stuff. And and here's my my last point on on his virtues. So in basketball, Grantland recently did a piece on uh, or a series anyway on moves like the Dirk Nowitzki one-legged leaner and and stuff like that the the iconic moves of basketball and I think I think Bateman is a guy who has a move and it is the the long pause he is the uh, to me at least as far as this generation goes he is the master of the of long pause comedy where somebody sets him up for a joke and you get the pause and the look at the camera or just or the 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 actor that he's playing off of and a breath, and then uh, a joke, and I think that's a—I don't know—for me, that's 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 a a point of uh, of of deserving notice as far as like American Treasures go, because I think he's got he's got something that makes him iconic for me, at least. Okay, this is one that's um, stumping me. I really can't. <laughs> I honestly, with you know, you know, with one hundred percent sincerity uh, and fifty-fifty on this one. Because I feel like he's just coming into the public's eye, even though he's been, like you said, around since the ancient of days. (laughs) Richard, can you um, push me in one direction, whether it's 
for or against either way, you know? Um, you know what? I won't, I won't even have to do that. I'm going to vote yes. So your, your opinion means nothing. <laughs> there you go. American treasurer Jason Bateman um, inducted into the American Treasure Hall of Fame. Richard, what's your nominee for this week? Your denim vest is in the mail. I have a North American treasure. Ooh. And it's an interesting one. Chad Kroger. Uh, Chad, it's, Chad Kroger. You guys may not agree. And, and, and the hardest argument is not going to be sense of humor about himself because he definitely has that. It's probably going to be the career because I don't know if his career has necessarily lived up to his talents and uh, sometimes plays on his more annoying traits. But he has some really good ones too. And I think he's a really unique comedian uh, that doesn't get enough credit. But I'm going to go North American treasure, Howie Mandel. Whoa. Wow. Didn't know he was Canadian, first of all. So I uh... explains a lot about him, actually. No. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Brian. I got to I gotta look up the IMDb because it's been a, that one totally took me off guard. I was not expecting that at all. Uh, make make your case, Richard, just so we can. Uh, well, he's a germaphobe. He just, uh, no. you know, it's more of a. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool, too. Get that out of the way. No. He's kind of along with Martin Short, who's a North American treasure, and Robin Williams, uh, who's an American treasure, rest in peace, of guys that are, like you kind of said with Bateman, always like super prepared for a talk show mm. and are like almost professional at it. Uh, loves to make fun of himself while he is a germaphobe. Uh, he'll 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 hit himself for it publicly and, and kind of make a mockery of it. Uh, he's also like one of those kind of ho- super Hollywood guys that other comedians and, and people tend to just adore. That maybe the public doesn't appreciate enough. And he's he's had a very you know he was on uh, Saint Elsewhere, which was a you know big time drama back in the eighties. So he's shown some, shown some rage. I always think he's pretty good. I've seen him in a few dramatic roles and big decent. And uh, most importantly. You know, made it cool for white guys to shave their head. Before it was just <laughs> cool black guys like Michael Jordan. <laughs> I thought Paul Schaefer did that, but uh, I'll give Helen Mandel. They shaved around the same time because yeah. Paul used to have him around the side too. Gotcha. And okay. and Howie Mandel doesn't have to do it. He can grow hair. He chooses. To I, go. I hate people like that. Just die. <laughs> so in that case, no, not in North America. No, okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um. Let's not forget Deal or No Deal, uh, which brought him back into the oh, public yeah. light uh, for good. So, yeah, I, I will have to say yes on uh, on Hallie Mandel, uh, unless Brian was going to vote no and uh, feel strongly about that. But No, I, 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 he would get my vote based on Bobby's world more than anything else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love Bobby's world. I forgot about that, kid. yeah. 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 Um, no, he's – He's an interesting case. He's going to get my vote, and I'm, I'm, I'm not. It is interesting. The stuff that he's done is very atypical of our our usual American or North yeah. American treasure nominee. But he is. You're right, Richard. No, the career is definitely the weakness. And the it's, career is definitely the weakness of his resume. I I would make the case that it's it's almost not even a weakness. It's just it's just different. Like he just he has not yeah. been in the same comedic category i guess as some of these other people i mean he's not considered a an actor at all really in a lot of ways and so he's yeah. uh so it's just he's just got a different a different resume than uh the typical the typical guy but no I, I i think that's an interesting interesting pick so he's he's got my vote as well i just i'm gonna go out on a limb here and say and i'm not even sure I'm, what how it's gonna be but I think we're going to have a uh, Mandela-sans one more time in our lifetime. 
he's definitely like uh, got like potential to show up in like a weird Paul Thomas Anderson movie in like 2022. Okay. And we'll be like, whoa, Howie Mandel was randomly good in that. You know, I think yeah. that's ahead of him. Yeah. I just have this weird feeling about it. He's the type of person that would do it and play totally against type and like, you know, murder Jennifer Lawrence in some weird movie. And we would all be like, huh, Howie Mandel, huh? <laughs> so when that happens, you'll see, America. I'm always early on this stuff. Brian can attest. It's true. It's true. Yeah, he could play like the uh, maybe like the Chris Tucker role in uh, Silver Linings Playbook. Just randomly shows up, and you're like, "Whoa, what's <laughs> yes. happening here?" Yeah, okay, I'm down. I'm, I'm enjoying it. But yeah. yeah, I don't yeah. know why. <laughs> yeah. So another American treasure. That's two for two for tonight. We are. Uh, that's pretty good. I'm gonna mix things up a little bit. We've got I'm some a- out of the box uh, nominations here. Yeah, Let's here's I have another out of the box one. So I'm gonna go public figure on you guys. Ooh. I like this. This yes. is a well-rounded trifecta it here. It always is. This guy has been around well well into the uh, qualified range of uh, 50 years old or 25 years in the business. His career spans multiple industries, uh, most notably the music business. Uh, here's a guy who rose to prominence in the state of Texas. So he's a nominee that hits home with everybody. He's shown up in film television, uh, and of course, radios around the world. I'm going to go ahead and uh, throw this one out here for you guys. American treasure Willie Nelson? That's a good one. Make uh, You want to really make your case? One. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, he's Willie freaking Nelson. <laughs> uh, no. I feel like it was Done. when I brought Jack Nicholson, Jack Nicholson to the table. It's like, well, he's Jack freaking Nicholson, man. Uh, no, but um, of course, pioneer of country music. Uh, he's yeah. used the same guitar as his entire career. Uh, you know, pioneered an entire genre of music, almost single-handedly, uh, with the likes of Johnny Cash and others uh, back in the day. Uh, still awesome to this day. Still great, plays concerts all the time, sounds as good as ever. Uh, has a great band, of course. He's no but, Florida Georgia Law, but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's true country. He he's somebody that, like I said, shows up all the time in random movies, television shows, and it's always great to see him. He was in the Muppet movie, uh, for God's sake. That's uh, right. in two thousand eleven uh, cameo in that. You know, has been an advocate for some recreational drug usage, uh, which has been well publicized, but that's uh, all the better. Nothing more American than uh, recreational drugs. And, uh, you know, he's somebody that is hilarious, too. You know, he's always on talk shows, and you would never guess um, what he did for a living. You'd just think he was an old, cool guy, you know, but um, he's randomly like a genius musician and a really funny person. So I think it speaks for itself, like I said. Willie Nelson's an American icon and um, definitely an American treasure, in my opinion. And he's he's gonna look really cool in the, in the he's gonna look really cool in the vest. Yeah. <laughs> he will. He'll uh, add some patches to it. Yeah, you know, little like, yeah. some peace signs. He'll actually, yeah. Uh, it'll be one of his. You know, it's a good sign when he, it's actually one of his lesser gaudy um, <laughs> denim vests because yeah. you know he has others. Yeah, he might be the only. Member of the American Treasure Hall of Fame that already had a leather vest. Yeah, he may show up to the ceremony with or some a denim uh, vest. Pardon me. Yeah, with the, some accessories on his denim vest. <laughs> we can only hope. By the way, Bill Cosby, we want our denim vest back. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that's the end. Yeah, what of- do we do about that, guys? 
Brian, we, we decided. Okay, I have we, one question. We talked is, about this when Brian wasn't here, and we decided. Is OJ in the Hall of Fame? <laughs> is he in the uh, Football Hall of Fame, you mean? Uh, that's what I'm basing it on. If OJ's still in the Hall of OJ Simpson is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, yes. Yes. Then o, then uh, the cause stays in. Yeah. Can we just suspend him until he actually gets something like an actual court says he's guilty of something? Is that is that possible? I don't know. Yeah. This is the worst. I don't know. That's We said, Brian, when you weren't here, that you could decide since you inducted him or brought him to the oh, table. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Looks real strong on my resume now. <laughs> for child molesting? I don't know about you guys. child molesting. But the you last decide. The last American treasure banquet, that punch like knocked me oh, out. Oh, God. God. <laughs> you think that and was... on that note, it's been a great uh, segment of American Treasures. Uh, like I said, you can find our full list on our website, madaboutmoviespodcast.com. And uh, stay tuned to the first episode of every month uh, in which we bring new nominees to the table. Except for this month. Yeah, unless we're really busy and haven't had a chance. <laughs> unless we don't. Uh, let's move on. Let's talk Exodus Gods and Kings. I want Moses and his family dead. What is the most important thing in your life? You are. And when will you leave me? Never. Last year, guys, we talked Ridley Scott's The Counselor. I don't know if you guys remember that. Anybody remember? Oh, that was Ridley Scott. I've tried to block it out. uh... Remember that one? Yes, I... Well, I was in the theater today. I was thinking to myself, gosh, when, when did we talk about a Ridley Scott movie? And I was like, I don't think we did Prometheus. And uh, and then I was like, oh, yeah, The Counselor. Wasn't that a really – oh, my God, it was a Ridley Scott movie. That's the worst. I can't believe that we – that. Oh, I hate that movie so much. Remember when we <laughs> – after – remember in that review uh, when we discussed – the fact that Ridley Scott is doing a Moses Exodus movie and this could be his resurgence, that this is something that could bring him back to gladiator days uh, of Ridley Scott. Yeah, not the case. Um, Whoops. This movie's epic. I'll say that (laughs) Uh, for all the wrong reasons. Who's going to be the person to step up and and, uh, talk about their initial thoughts here? So let's play America's favorite game show. How long did Richard make it? (laughs) (laughs) So I ask you guys the million-dollar question. How long did Richard make it? I'm going to go 43 minutes, Dick. Brian? (laughs) I'm going to go – That's 43 minutes. Put 43 up on the board. 43 (laughs) up on the board. Now, Brian? Are you going to go higher or lower? Let's see. The movie was 43 minutes. Movie was two and a half hours long. So I will go. Uh, you know what? I'll go right down the middle. I'll go an hour 15. An hour 15. The number is one hour, 12 minutes. Yes. Wow. No. Uh, did you have a timer in your <laughs> in your pocket uh, that you started I, in the uh, I, title? Sequence. No, I've, I've, since we started playing this game, I uh, I notice when they start. I check my phone when they start, and then I uh, I make sure I note it when I leave, and because uh, I care about the show and I care about the listeners. Well, so you I, did I make it down it, to the T. You did make it yeah. longer than I I thought you did. 
So, what I want to know is what what was it that drove you from the theater? Like what moment where you're like, that's enough just, and just I'm out. You know, it's the second one in a row where it wasn't anything. Normally there is that, you know me, because you've been present for the yes. for the bard walkout. It yeah. normally is one key line or something where I just, <laughs> I, I, it's like a fire drill in my head. Like not only do I have to leave, I have to leave so quickly before I just start screaming, you know, like racial epithets, like a lunatic. Yeah. So, but this one was just sort of a lack of like, I kept wanting it. Cause I like Ridley Scott a lot, like his good movies. And I was kind of like excited for this, even though the trailers were terrible. I was like, eh, uh, it'll be, it'll recover. It's, it'll be cool. He, this is what he does. Well, even kingdom of heaven, I think is pretty awesome. Oh yeah. And then it was just like, once I realized there was nothing that could happen that could make this worth my time with the characters they had established. I, uh, I just kind of was just slapped the old knees and uh, did the old man stand up, which I like to do. So everyone knows and uh, went on my merry way about my uh, Sunday. You thought they had established characters in this movie, Richard? I uh... <laughs> no, you're right. That did that. That was an overstatement on my part. <laughs> you're forgiven. Um, Brian, any uh, initial thoughts on here on this? I, I don't hate this as much as you guys did. Clearly, um, I don't think it's. I don't think it's a good movie. There are some parts that I didn't despise. I thought Christian Bale was okay. Was was pretty decent in parts, even. You know, it's an epic. I, I I'm in favor of the biblical epic, but I just don't. I don't know that it can be done right in 2014 um, because too much of your budget and your time gets has to be devoted to a couple of really ridiculous special effects sequences. And so you end up focusing, at least I think that's what happened here. I think I felt like Ridley Scott focused all of his attention on those scenes, which really are pretty minimal compared to the length of the film. I mean, that's like three or four scenes that I would guess took up most of his, his time. And uh, so that's, that's never great. I thought they did the plague sequence fairly well. That was a, uh, I, I felt like a, a pretty good uh, interpretation and a good illustration of all that stuff. So there, you know, there's some stuff for me that I could, I could hold on to as, as decent enough. I don't want to see it again. It's over long. It's over stuff. There's a whole lot more issues that we can talk about as we get into specifics. Um, but I, I imagine when this comes out, I'm going to be, I'm going to be higher on it than, than, than you guys are given your, uh, your initial <laughs> reactions and the heavy size and, and all that sort of stuff. Well, I can agree with the, um, with your thought on the action scenes, but there were just too few, too little mm-hmm. <laughs> for me. I mean, I'm not kidding. The first hour of this movie is just solid talking. And except for one major, uh, action sequence in which nobody talks at all. There's not yeah. even a, hey, over here, or <laughs> watch out. You know, it's just like things flying and people running, which yeah. made no sense to me at all. Um, I was so lost during that. It wasn't anything I hadn't seen. It didn't put, it didn't really push the envelope in a really Scott way. It's hard for me to even believe, uh, after seeing this film, that this is a Ridley Scott movie. <laughs> it doesn't feel like that at all. It feels like what Seventh Son is going to be. And, uh, you know, that Jeff Bridges movie that's been pushed oh, yeah. back for like three years. Yeah. That's finally going to come out. And yeah, uh, that Jeff, the Jeff Bridges is filing lawsuits. The same the it, studio guys, it comes, it comes out the same day as Jupiter ascending. How excited are we for that weekend on this podcast? But <laughs> if we can watch them both back to back, we should do it together. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. That's, that's a great idea. Um, 
that would be so great to watch to just watch that news story of three podcasters <laughs> after a back to back showcasing of Sun and Jupiter Ascending commit suicide. <laughs> In front of a theater of moviegoers today. <laughs> One compliment that I do have to give Mr. Scott is he knows how to pick locations. I'll give him that. There's some of the some of the locations in this movie are are breathtaking. Specifically, of course, the uh, final, I guess, non-spoiler to say, climactic sequence with the uh, Red Sea parting. Really liked how he displays the Moses leading the people through the desert. the 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 amount of people didn't really occur to me, or wasn't illustrated well enough in the. Charlton Heston Ten Commandments, which I guess is really the one of the only comparisons you can make on a theatrical, like well-known mass uh, scale. They really, I, I was really impressed by the scale of just the amount of people that were involved uh, in Moses's little exodus. Mm-hmm. That that impressed me, and I will say that um, that was one of the few moments that impressed me in the movie. Uh, Brian, what what did you like about this movie? You said you were. Uh, you liked more than uh, you, of course, have given away thus far, but yeah. And I guess I should I, I should probably give the disclaimer in case we picked up new listeners in the last couple of weeks. Like I work for a church. I'm I have right, a, yeah. I'm very uh you know I my faith is very important to me. All that good stuff. So any it, you know any anybody who sees a movie takes their own biases and and uh, perspectives into a film. That's that's my perspective. I always like to put that out front if we're going to talk about. Uh, church biblical sorts of stuff so that you know everybody knows but um this is a great story uh whether you believe the bible or 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 not is is kind of irrelevant to this This is a real this is a really good story this is a much better story than Noah. i went back and listened to our noah podcast earlier this evening just to kind of get a feel for what we talked about and stuff so that i wasn't you know repeating myself or anything like that but whereas noah is like I think is less than 90 verses long in the Bible. And there's just, there's not a lot to work with. This is a lot. There's a lot of material there. Uh, it's like 14 or 15 ch- chapters up until they, they actually leave Egypt. And so, and to me, it's a great story. It's one of my, one of my personal favorites in the Bible. And there's just a lot that can be gleaned from it. Again, just from a storytelling perspective, whether you you know believe it or not, so I think it. I think this movie benefited where Noah did not. This movie benefited from having great source material to work with, and I think that most of the better parts of the film were. I think it's because it's inspired by something that actually is a really interesting story. Um, the plague stuff, they hand, Ridley Scott handled quite nicely. I felt like with the exception of the crocodiles that I thought yeah, like that was kind that, of a cop out. I and, wanted to bring up the, I don't remember the gator fight in the Bible. Yeah. But. Yeah. That was, um, I look, everything's open to interpretation and I certainly am not going to hold, uh, Ridley Scott to my personal biblical, you know, uh, interpretation of the Bible and, and biblical beliefs and all that sort of stuff. But that was a cop out for, for me. Um, and I'll speak more to that in a second because I think that's a problem with the whole the whole movie. But um, I thought they handled the plagues pretty well. Um, you guys are both right. Like there's there's the character establishment and development of Moses of all the characters, but especially of Moses is not very good. But I did feel like for all the the mushiness uh, and the the kind of I don't know, the pros and cons, mostly cons of the script. I felt like they did a 
fairly decent job of writing for Christian Bale and giving him some decent lines and stuff like that. I'm a fan of Christian Bale as an actor, and and for whatever reason, that has become slightly unpopular, I think. I think it's more fun to bash on him because of the Batman voice and, and stuff like that. But the dude's a really talented actor, and uh, there's some moments within this that I think he maybe doesn't necessarily shine, but I think he makes – he has some pretty solid moments throughout. So that's, that's pretty great. Um, you know, the, some of the, the actions, I didn't enjoy the first action sequence much at all. I thought it's, it was way too spinny and fast. And as Richard mentioned, looked like it was filmed by Louis Lettier. Um, it, I hate that style of action. I mean, maybe it looked better in 3d, but that is beside the point to me. Um, but the, 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 the climactic, the red sea, all that sort of stuff that was fairly, that was pretty well done in my opinion. So, and I didn't mind the, at least the concept of the, of the God character with the, I don't think it's a spoiler at this point, but yeah. uh, the God is portrayed in this film as a, I don't know, like an eight year old boy talking to Moses. And um, there, I had some, <laughs> some issues with uh, the way that he is presented and tr- at least as far as, terms go and his uh i don't know his his temperament i guess but as far as the actual like personification and the way he talks to moses and stuff like that i thought that was an interesting take if if one that would not be my personal interpretation yeah i i was actually um okay with that and that portrayal uh or way of I guess portraying God on screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually personally liked Aronofsky's version in Noah, in which Noah has dreams, which is perfect for Aronofsky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, this is this is a way that I guess one way to do it, and it did not uh, personally offend me at all. Um, I actually enjoyed the burning bush sequence too. Yes, I did too. Yeah, earlier I think that's a, a, another one. I. One of the more iconic scenes in the Bible that I that I ha- enjoyed about the story, when Moses drops down his staff in the Pharaoh's presence and yes. it turns to a snake. Yeah, not in the movie. So not in the movie. And and can I, I? I would say too. That's a to me. That's a major misstep. Not because, not just because that's part of the story. And and that's not my. That's not what that's I'm the, coming for, from. That was the time, at least how I you know interpreted interpreted it in the Bible uh, where God truly shows himself for the first time to, yes. to Ramses or yeah. I think that, yes, I think that was an important part of the, the narrative to have that. Cause, cause as this movie stands, there's never really a moment in which God says, or, or God says through Moses or whatever, you know, Hey, look, Pharaoh, I'm, I'm about to bring all kinds of wrath down yeah. on you. If you don't, you know, if you don't let my people go, this is what's going to happen to you. I think that's a very important step in the biblical story and in the story portrayed in this movie, especially since they have Moses go out of his way when they're talking about like the 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 planning as far as like the the battle sorts of stuff of we've got to get the Egyptians to force the Pharaoh to let us go. If you're going to bring that part of the story into it, then I feel like you're really missing a step with with cutting out the uh, the, the the staff turning into snake and and stuff like that because I I just I don't know that to me felt like a, a misstep a big one honestly 
Richard, anything that you uh, personally uh, thought was a misstep? Yeah, I mean, I didn't really take issue. I, I think it played it pretty safe with like the theology of it all. I don't think it really sure. did anything uh, too offensive. I mean, I, I personally wasn't offended by Noah in any way, but mm-hmm. I can understand why someone would be more offended by that than this. This was my biggest issue when watching it was just kind of like, why does this? Ex- like, what's the point in this movie? Yes. Why yeah. does this? Yeah, like it's just such a boring take on it, and uh, it's a movie that we already have. It's not like it's really enhanced by modern special effects or Christian Bale or anything. I actually didn't really care about. I mean, like he wasn't awful in this or anything, but he's such a better actor than this. Qual- I don't know. He just he was just as bad as everyone else. I thought it was pretty close to the uh, Wizard of Oz movie a couple years ago uh, for me. Like, just, it, I just found myself angered the whole time as to its existence. I just couldn't believe this wasn't Roland Emmerich. So many people miscast in this. This, mm-hmm. this casting in this movie is just bad. Uh, yeah. Christian Bale is a good actor. We know that I'll see him in anything. Mainly I'll see Ben Kingsley in anything too. Uh, and you know, he, he actually, can fit in this type of world but you know Ridley I understand you've worked with uh, Mrs. Weaver Ugh. in the past uh, I, I'm a fan of Sigourney you know uh, we've we've I, I've personally rained her praises on this podcast before but not not in ancient Egypt okay um, there's a time and place for everything and this is neither of them and uh, same with John Turturro I like oh, him gosh. as well you don't need to be <laughs> in an English accent in uh in a biblical epic, it just doesn't it doesn't yeah. work, um, and and it takes you that out took of me it. Out of it the took, me- it took yes. me when when Sigourney showed up. I honestly, and I was in this this uh, screening by myself. Uh, <laughs> nobody wants to see this movie. It's done at the box office. Um, that was almost the moment where I had to leave because she doesn't even say anything for the entirety of the time she's there, really, and. Um, Serves no purpose, and it just takes you out. It's just like it's it's almost as if, hey, Sigourney, guess what I'm doing? An Exodus movie. Oh, yeah. I want to be in well, it. Okay, I'll write a part for you, and then stuck her in the movie. Or I mean, you know, and beyond her, it's not just her, but like in the first, I don't know, ten minutes of the movie. <laughs> off, I mean, look, they they took a lot of flack. Uh, for this movie, for whitewashing it and for casting all these uh, white actors to play Egyptian parts. And I don't – that wasn't something that I was concerned about so much because I I understand the business of making a movie. You're, you're not selling a $160 million epic with some Egyptian actor that nobody's heard of in the lead. Okay, That is not going to happen. So I don't care so much about that side of it. But for the, it felt like for the first 10 minutes <laughs> – Ridley Scott was like going out of his way to pop a camera over. Okay, here's a glimpse of uh, of Sigourney Weaver. Now here's a glimpse of John Torturo. Now here's a glimpse of like all the people you're gonna recognize, whose faces you're gonna you're gonna know who they are. Let's make sure we we show you who they are. It, it's like a it was like an episode of Law and Order where some guy shows up. <laughs> Who's who you recognize and you know, well, he's going to be the killer later or what, you know, or something like that. Like it just, it was such amateur filmmaking for, and I, I know that like at least God's felt, better than that. It felt I just like felt, a, a funnier die sketch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it oh, was, look who's show, keeps showing up in these. Yeah. It, yeah. Really weird. And, really weird. and it was, uh, I preferred John Turturro playing his other biblical role as the Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> 
um, as opposed to just this one too. Yes, that was a really bad choice. And I think we all like John Torturo, but that completely took me out of the movie in the first five minutes. It did not make any sense. On your point of Ridley's his his outlook on I need star power here. Use Christian Bale as star power. The guy was the last Batman. He's all you need really to yeah. sell this movie to amass at least an American audience and cast authentic actors in the other parts. You know, give us real Egyptian actors. I'm fine with that. Christian Bale in the lead and all authentic Egyptian actors doing the story of Moses. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. But Sigourney Weaver does not does not doesn't sell tickets. No yeah. one's going to this saying like I'm going to the new Sigourney Weaver movie uh Exodus. You know, like gr- good to see her. Love you, but um, doesn't belong here. So that was just one yeah. of the one of the can, things that took me out of it. But. Can we talk about Edgerton a little bit here? Because sure. I I want to say that like I love Joel Edgerton. He's done some great work. Most notably for me, Warrior, which is just an incredible incredible film, and he's magnificent in it. This is two movies in a row that we've done. This and freaking Great Gatsby uh, that feature this guy, and he's been bad in both of them, and so. I don't know what to do with that because I, I think he's a capable guy. He was great in Zero Dark Thirty in a small role. I've seen him do good stuff. I'm a fan. I want to believe that he's just been miscast, but um, he was really bad in this, like really bad. And and the whole I think a lot of the film hinges on him, and I, I you can't I don't think he came through on that at all. So I I'm I was very disappointed in in his performance as, as somebody who's been a fan of his for, for quite a while now. You mentioned some stuff you were going to mention in the spoiler. So I guess we should get right now into spoilers for Exodus gods and Kings. So spoilers coming up right now. Earlier you said some more spoilery stuff disappointed you. What were you referring to? You know, there's a lot, okay. There's a lot of issues with this from a film standpoint, just a filmmaking standpoint. I think we've addressed it. Uh, part of it being the casting, part of it being a, a poor script, part of it being it really felt like Ridley Scott turned over the camera to his assistant directors for ninety percent of it. That was, and that was something that I felt like happened with the counselor as well. So maybe we're just at this point of his career where he's not really even working on the movies that he's working on. I I, I don't know, but um, I did think Richard said, you know, this this movie played it played it safe with the theology and the, the, the biblical nature of everything. And that I think is a hundred percent true. And whereas Noah, I think obviously became a, a hot button issue and upset evangelicals and, and the Christian right and all that sort of stuff. This one is almost like it's so safe that I'm almost more offended by it than I would have been by Noah in some ways, just because it's like, I almost wish that they would just take a stand and go one way or another, but in some ways they really Scott kind of went out of his way to not necessarily avoid the God aspect of everything, but definitely to play it down a little bit. Not including the snake was a conscious yeah. decision. Yeah. It's not like and he just left it out like, cause I, he didn't know about it. You know, that's totally. one of the main parts of the story. So yeah. And, I, I, there were a lot of steps taken to uh, to play down that aspect of the story, and my point is not whether or not it's a true, whether or not you you know it's a you believe it or not. That's not my not my point. The point is 
that's the story, you know? And, and if you're, uh, if you're going to adapt a story, maybe don't leave out some of the important aspects of that story. I, I don't know. I felt like Noah was an interpretation of a story that didn't have a lot to it to begin with and had a lot of filler. Um, but I, having seen Exodus, like, and I don't like, I don't think Noah was a very good movie. I, listening to our podcast, I think I gave it a B minus and I might go down on that. Honestly, when my end of year, when I put out my end of the year list and stuff, like I just didn't think it was a very well done film. Um, but I, at least I give Aronofsky credit for bringing his own interpretation to the story and trying to do something with it. This just felt like, well, Richard mentioned, I don't know why this exists. Number one, Number two, it feels lazy. And number three, you know, I got pretty – there's a moment in like one of the Harry Potter movies that I got pretty ticked off that they caught they, – they cut some stuff out of the book. And it's almost the same thing here where it's like I don't know why we've got to – if you're going to take on this story and and this story is about God and, and his um, – the salvation of his people and 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 the wrath against their their oppressors i don't know why we have to take that and then dance around the subject the way i felt like he he did in this film it's like trying to like i i, I don't know it tells, it, it tells it like as if god had nothing to do with this this story as yeah it's I, moses leading the people through this right but, but the story is God's using Moses to do this, right? Not the but opposite, it, you know. But it almost doesn't. It, it doesn't even quite take a stand on that side either. Yeah. I think that's something that Noah succeeded in, and it's part of why people got so so angry. And I say people, I say evangelicals got so angry about it was that it it was so man centric, and it tried to make that story about Noah. And I think it was very successful at that. What you know, that wasn't something that I really liked, but I got you know, if that's what he's going for, it worked. With this, it's like with Exodus. You're, it's it feels like he wants to make it more about Moses, but we've got to throw in these parts about God, and it doesn't connect all the way, the way that I I, I would have liked, and the way that I think it really quite easily could have, um, if if you just fix some of the story issues, and and by fix, I I think in this case, going back to the source material would have made it a from a, again, from a just a straight narrative standpoint, would have worked would have worked better for for me. Are we officially out? I mean, can we officially sell our Aaron Paul stock? I mean, is that done? I just don't know what he's doing in this movie. Like, yeah. he wasn't bad, uh, but he he had like four lines in the whole film, and, and and I don't. That's definitely one example of of a place where you could have cast. You could have paid paid a scale actor to do that role, yeah, and, and it wouldn't have been no. You wouldn't have missed anything. I I don't know. That was an odd. That was an odd choice. There's a lot of odd choices in here, to say the least. A lot. Um, obviously, I'm not high on this movie. Um, mm. I have not much else to say. I was so bored in the yeah, theater. It's it's watching. boring. So and it's, bored, and I wanted to. See, I I'm interested in this story, and I was mm-hmm. just like, oh, make it stop. Yeah, this is this really is. I, I've mentioned it already, but this is this really is a great story. And and if you're uh, if you're unfamiliar with the story, um, it's again, even if you're not a believer, it's worth it's worth checking out. It's worth reading and just kind of getting a feel for it because it's a really interesting story. And there's just so much more that could have been done. 
Um, it's just, you guys are right. Like it's boring and, and it's, um, it's very, it, almost to the point of being purposefully emotionless. And I, that, that to me was an issue as well. Cause that, this is not a story that should be an emotionless, uh, robotic blank story the way it is. It's, it's told here. And that, that is a major miss, a swing and a miss to me. Yeah. Well, it was number one in the theater this past weekend, only $24 million it made. Yeah. Big disappointment. Yeah, it made fifty overseas though, so it's already got half its money back. I'm glad it was number one because that means more of these types of movies will come out, and I'm convinced a good (laughs) one is going to come out eventually. Because, like you said, Brian, and we've reiterated on the show before, and we we said it in the Noah episode. Despite your beliefs, religious or not, you can't deny that uh, there's some good stories in the Bible. So I'm I'm willing to say that I'm interested to see more biblical movies because once again, great stories and have potential for great films, uh, the right persons involved. Like I think Spielberg needs to do. Yes. I I was about to say that exact same thing. We need Spielberg to do a biblical epic and, and he could, I think he could have handled this story, uh, quite well. Agreed. Uh, so let's move on to greats guys. I'm going to give Exodus gods and Kings, the good old Kent Garrison F minus. Oh, minus minus. Richard. I'll go D minus. Brian. Man, y'all were way lower than I thought you would be. I'm going to go C plus-ish. And maybe drop that down after I think about it a little more. I mean, I I give it the F minus if I never want to see it again. (laughs) And I I honestly can – I never want to see – I don't actively want to see this movie again at at this moment. And, you know, again, I'm dazed from – Having seen it last, but I don't. I don't think there's going to be a time in the next year where I'm going to be like, you know what, I really want to do right now: sit down and watch Exodus, Gods and Kings, uh, for two and a half hours. But who knows? The future is uh, is wide open. So let's move on, guys. Let's hit a quick weekly recommend. Weekly recommends. Netflix has uh, released Thirty for Thirty, and uh, they seem to be releasing these. Uh, on the weekly basis, like almost the week after these things uh, air. Mm -hmm. So that's been great because I don't have to watch them live anymore because they come out at very random times, uh, which I'm, uh, I rarely watch them live. But I want to suggest one for any football fans out there or fans of just documentaries in general. It's uh, Rand University, the story of Randy Moss. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you guys have seen this one, but it's spectacular. Uh, Randy Moss was an absolute freak athlete uh, when he was in high school, college, and uh, I, I, I didn't. I, I mean, I knew he was in a lot of trouble as a youth, but I didn't really know the extent of that. And this uh, documentary does a great job of of going into that and also showing his highlights from those Gosh. days. This kid literally would catch the ball, and not no one would even come close to touching him, let alone tackling him on the field. So he was amazing, incredible yeah. to watch. Uh, that that footage I've never seen that stuff before, and you know, let alone Hall of Fame NFL career as well. Oh yeah, and it, uh, and, and very interesting human being. Uh, of course, brought us the phrase "straight cash homie," <laughs> which uh, will never die on this podcast, at least. But um, freaking straight Randy cash, Moss, homie. How are you going to pay child support? Straight cash, cash homie. homie. Uh, he <laughs> he's almost American treasure worthy. Uh, just, just the fact this, 
what what kind of a personality this guy is, and yeah. um, he he'll be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, that's for sure. Uh, but Rand University, very interesting documentaries to check okay. out on Netflix. So that's, that's a, my recommend. That's a good one. Randy Moss, probably my second favorite football player of all time. Love that guy. Wow. That was a freak of nature. There's, I don't know that you're ever gonna. I don't know that you'll ever see a guy like him again. He's he's a one of a kind sort of dude. My favorite was in the part of the documentary is when they when they when they say uh, the Dallas Cowboys select Greg Ellis. Yeah, <laughs> think of what could have been if Randy oh, Moss dude. had replaced uh, Michael that's, Irvin. But that's another story. That's one of my favorite day. football memories of of all time. Uh, having grown up a non Cowboys fan in Cowboys country was was that year. Uh, because they play, I believe they, they played, played the Vikings. They played yeah. the Vikings, and uh, he torched the Cowboys. He torched yeah, them, and it was amazing. Them. And my my family, Thanksgiving, yeah, yeah, and my family was just furious, and I was just being a fifteen year old and taunting them and and going nuts. But uh, they scored on like a flea flicker on the first play of the game, I think, and it was just, yeah. ugh, it was brutal. It was so awesome. Good times, uh, Brian. Recommend. Yeah. So I, I did see a movie in the theaters that I actually really liked this week, and I was Ooh. finally able to catch up on it, and I want to give you guys that recommend, and I hope you guys will get a chance to see it. I finally got to see American Treasure Bill Murray in St. Vincent, oh. and I am happy to report that uh, it is more than good. It may make my top ten at the end of the year. I, I'm Ooh. super, super high on it. Uh, I'm bummed that we that we didn't do an episode three months ago when it first when it first came out. Uh, it has there's so much more to the story than I thought there was going to be. I, I thought I really knew exactly what was going to happen, and and I was just, you know, I was excited just to kind of let it play out, uh, paint by numbers, number by number, uh, the way that I think we all thought it was going to go. But there's a lot more to it. And, uh, man, Bill Murray is just so good. And it's so cool to see. It's so good to see him do something that is significant. Um, I know he got Golden Globe nominations and whatnot. And I doubt he's going to get an Oscar nomination, but he might because no comedy never, you know, it never happens for comedy. He might deserve one. Honestly, guys, I mean, he's he's so good. And the movie brought me to tears a a couple of different times. Um, I'm a sucker for that kind of uh mentorship sort of thing between a, you know, a strange, uh, male, adult, you know, and, uh, a strange adult and a kid. I went way off. You're always list. trying to find ran- random kids. Yeah. To just mentor. You. Yeah. Always just, you drive around in a van yeah, looking for just, kids to mentor. Yeah. Guys, yeah, I got I candy I and okay. I will teach you how to play basketball. Do you want to <laughs> No. Okay. Sorry. I'm just uh, a sucker for strange men. Yeah. I know. <laughs> always that that Who isn't that? Uh, <laughs> But that trope, you know, like Mud was my favorite movie of last year. And Let's that- put that on the poster for this yeah, podcast. Yeah. Let's edit that out so I don't get fired. Um, <laughs> no. Anyway, it, it's a – it really uh, – I think it hits the <laughs> sentimental note. It's very funny. Uh, there's a lot to it. So I was very impressed and, and I hope you guys will get a chance to see it. St. Vincent. Cool. How was Melissa McCarthy? Uh, not – terrible she didn't fall down not one time so that was shocking to you, me you stayed till the after credit sequence right? <laughs> i did and i was really disappointed i thought yeah. we were just gonna get a some b just a, just yeah just a gag reel down the credits oh god that's the best visual oh that oh, one hurt, hurt. <laughs> That will happen in uh, oh. Tammy too. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, she was. Yeah. Uh, you know, she was fine. She showed that she can be a a decent part of a 
of a film without uh, without doing a Chris Farley impression. So you know, maybe maybe that's the future of Melissa McCarthy. I I don't know. Uh, Richard, recommend. Yeah, uh, mine's easy. Larry David, BS Report. Oh, I Larry did. David interview. Yeah. I listened to that yesterday. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Anything with with LD is greatness, and and I really want to go see his play in New York. Let's go together, Kent. I'll go. I think I did say when I brought the news yeah. to you guys, I said road trip? Question mark? You know? Uh, I, yeah. I would I would totally do that. I love we LD. I just, 12 hours each. We could be in New York in a day. Let's do it. It'd be worth it. Oh, I'm hoping for more curb uh, in the future from yeah from Larry David. I love love that guy. BS Report. BS Report with Larry David. Good stuff, Richard. Where can I find you online, Brian? You can find me on the Twitter at bgill 12 and I plan to make my triumphant return to blogging occasionally at Can Babies Drink Red Bull later this week. Richard, where can we find you? You, you can find me on Twitter at Richard Barden. Kent, where can I find you? On Twitter at Kent Garrison and find all of our episodes on our website at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. And uh, if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That would be awesome. And uh, find all of our recommends on our website as well and contact the show on there. Just click contact. And on that note, until next week, fellas, I will see you at the cinema. Merry Christmas. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the views of Colin, toss salad, and scrambled eggs. Oh, baby, I get it seem confused. Hey, but maybe I got you pegged. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know what to, to do, do with, with those soft salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Good night. <laughs>